It takes more than great code to be a great engineer. This is episode 52 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I am your host, Jameson Dance. And I am your host, Dave Smith. And this is a free advice show for developers. Um, the advice is worth what you pay for it. So Maybe even less. <laughs> That's true. Free has a cost. The cost <laughs> is your time. We want to be worth your time, though. Um, we got a listener story in response to episode 50. Uh, this is so... This was the question about the manager of zero people, and the story is actually from the question asker. Yes. I, I love it when this happens, when we get more detail yeah. about stuff we didn't know. As it turns out, my manager of zero experience was just one thread in a web of reasons I was unhappy. So I started looking elsewhere and stumbled into an opportunity working directly under a manager who I respect tremendously and who respects me and alongside another engineer I've worked with successfully at a previous company. I'm expecting a formal offer for the new job this week and should be out of the startup by month's end. Thanks again for taking the time to bisect all the stuff going on in my career and giving me some much-needed perspective. Your podcast regularly reminds me that we're not alone in this industry, even if we feel like we are sometimes. Especially if you're a manager of zero people. Yeah, I mean, literally, you were alone. <laughs> you were alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on the new job. Yeah, that's great. I I hope you find all your wildest dreams. Yes, and that they come true. Yeah. Get new <laughs> find dreams them. and then make those come true. <laughs> cool. Should we read our first question? Yeah, sure. I'll read this one. Uh, this comes from an, an anonymous listener who says, Hello, great podcast. Thank you. I enjoy the way you talk about various topics in our industry. Recently, I started my second job. I spent two years at my first job, and my coding skills were not as good as I wanted them to be. I changed jobs to push myself out of my comfort zone. Now I feel a bit slow at completing my tickets, and I'm spending a lot of my time on research. I am working on a greenfield project, so maybe it's okay. What do you think? If you never get anything done, the project will stay green forever. Oh, yeah. Because the best code is is the code that has yet to be written. That's right. And so it can never become legacy if you yeah. don't finish. Yeah, it'll never be brown. <laughs> yeah, why are you in such a hurry to get to a brown field? <laughs> <laughs> Just luxuriate in that rich green grass for a while. <laughs> um, So... I lobbied for us to answer this question because I feel this all the time. I feel like this is my constant state of being, just feeling guilty about going too slow. And some of that is because I'm kind of like a people pleaser. I want people to be happy with my work. Um, and some of it is just, I don't know, I'm just always worried that I'll suddenly get fired from for going too slow without having known I was mm -hmm. going too slow. So for yeah. me, the one of the solutions to this is just more information. Uh, just ask people how they think you're doing. Like if, if you are worried about feeling slow, um, someone is probably managing you and has an idea of what you're supposed to be doing and, and how you're meeting their expectations. And if you make those expectations explicit, uh, it's a lot easier to, to get a feel for where you actually are instead of where you have convinced mm -hmm. yourself you are. Yeah, yeah. Because maybe you're actually not going slow and maybe you're doing just fine. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, I would expect a reasonable manager to tell you that. But on the other hand, 
an unreasonable manager might say, well, actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> you are going too slow. You need to go faster. <laughs> like, is the question to that ever, or sorry, is the answer to that question ever going to be, yes, I'm satisfied with your level of speed. Do not go faster. Slow down a little bit, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Put true. An evil down. person would be like, I noticed you went home the other day and uh, <laughs> that was some time you didn't spend at work getting stuff done <laughs> yeah so then maybe you could talk to your teammates about it i i, I just feel like there's got to be some way it, if part of the feeling is like do other people think I'm, or if part of the issue is you're wondering if other people think you're slow you can find that out yeah somehow yeah, definitely. And you you mentioned tickets in the questions, so I'm assuming that there is a queue of tickets that your team is pulling from and people are working on these and then marking them as finished. So if that's the case, you could go compare your ticket completion rate with your coworkers and see how you stack up. Yeah, that gets that gets really tricky, but mm-hmm. it's it is some information. I mean, Tickets are different sizes. People close them at different rates. People have different definitions of what done is. But mm-hmm. if someone else does like 400 and you do two, then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that does tell you something. Here's what you do. Find the, the fastest developer you know and just compare yourself to them. And like like social media, but for work, just find... <laughs> someone to envy and just constantly hold yourself up against them and and point out all the little places where you're lacking that's right take their best and compare (laughs) it to your worst yep then flog yourself into shape (laughs) yeah i do agree with jameson though that you should ask if you say uh if you like have a mentor you trust or someone on the team who can give you an objective answer i think it's a good question to ask um the funny thing is uh you may be surprised at how little people will actually know about this it's, oh, you might yeah. go to your manager and and ask am i going fast enough and your manager might be like uh i don't know i thought you were until you asked me this question (laughs) (laughs) clearly there's a problem (laughs) yeah that's a great point even on small teams i have felt that from from managers because i've i've actually asked this before of people and i the most i've gotten from a manager was just a shrug of the shoulders so which is actually a good sign right like that's good yeah yeah that means like at least if there's a problem they don't know about it What about the research area? If it's a greenfield project and there's a lot of kind of initial setup or just unknown, I don't know, it's not just build out this feature. It's like figure out what what feature to build out. How how do you evaluate speed in that context where you're out of the, I don't know, standard iteration yeah. product yeah. cycle? Yeah, you can't really measure research output in, in like the traditional story points or other measures, right? Because yeah, I believe that's how you get tenure, right? Don't you get 500 <laughs> story points from publishing <laughs> papers? <laughs> I'm a level seven publisher. <laughs> um, because one of the outputs of your research could be that you actually saved your team a bunch of work by not having to build something that was a dead end. Mm-hmm. And how do you measure the speed increases that come from skipping a huge swath of work that you decided not to do. Yeah. I 
I've mentioned part of this in the past. I worked at a company a few years ago where we had a, a period of several weeks of crunch time. And then we had some sort of downtime after that. Uh, some of it was just straight up vacation. They, they told us like, don't come into work for X number of days. And then when we came back, they told us, um, you need to do some kind of exploratory research on this area. And it was very vague, had no deadlines. Uh, there weren't great criteria for measuring progress. And it turns out that we finished the time we had allotted to that and we had nothing done, <laughs> which is like, didn't we, we did stuff, but there was no output from it. So mm -hmm. I agree that it's hard to evaluate progress, but also in, in without any structure or boundaries or goals or anything, it's also hard. It can be just hard to make progress. Yeah, true. So how do you, Maybe this is a personal thing more. I, I mean, some people do great at that completely structureless exploratory um, kind of work. But I think lots of people would struggle to to feel like they'd accomplish something at the end. So how would you take this open-ended thing and like put some structure on it? So I think there's... Uh, or is that even the probably, right question to ask? I, um. Oh, oh, no. Maybe you I don't. Know. Yeah. I think you do generally. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think that if you don't have some kind of structure around the research you're doing, then you'll just spend time learning and the output or the value of the output might not be easy to identify or might not be even, might not even be valuable. It might be valuable for your next job when you spend <laughs> a month like playing with Docker, don't get anything done, <laughs> but then you put Docker on your resume. Okay, so I, I think there are three techniques that I'm mulling over in my head right now that would help you to uh, structure this kind of research and like actually measure it. The first one is uh, writing down some kind of acceptance criteria so you know when you're done. And this can be fuzzy, especially if you're like, well, I'm going to investigate these three technologies and um, you know evaluate them for use in our product. But you could write criteria for that and say, like, after I've built my to-do MVC app in three different technologies, then mm -hmm. I will. that'll be my acceptance criteria. The second thing is to have a written report at the end of your research that uh, summarizes your findings and lessons learned for other people. And that can be, like, the output. So once that's done and reviewed and everyone's, you know, happy with the result, that's your acceptance and then the third thing is to just completely time box your research and say, I will take three days and no more than three days. And whatever I have at the end of three days, that's what we have, whether it's complete or not. And I, I think using those, you can, those three techniques, you can put a little bit of structure around it. Yeah. Some combination of those three might, I mean, you might not need all three of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And, and nope, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> I was going to ask when you're feeling slow, uh, try to ask yourself if that feeling is self-inflicted or if it actually comes from a real external source. Like, are you just feeling guilty because you haven't yet calibrated to the speed of how things are done? Or do you actually have some external pressure pushing you to finish something and you're not meeting the deadline or the time that something is needed by? Hmm. So... At the risk of being too personal, Dave, you just, well, not just, but you fairly recently started a new job. Did you feel yeah. too slow there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you, do you feel less slow now? 
yeah, I feel like I can get more done now than I could a few months ago. And I've heard people in my same situation say the same thing. They also feel slow. And these are like industry veterans who have been developing software for decades and who are very good at it. They start a new job and feel slow. So mm. I think it's pretty normal. Sure. So even Dave feels slow. Yeah. <laughs> I feel slow a lot. <laughs> cool. Well, have we answered the question? I think so. Yeah. Slow down. Slow down there, partner. <laughs> Just go slower. That was the summary. <laughs> cool. I'm going to read the next question. This is from a listener named Jin or Gin, depending on how you pronounce GIF. Uh, I would like to find a new job, but I'm feeling insecure because I don't have an interesting GitHub profile or side projects to show. In my spare time, I study and program a lot, but I've never built something really valuable. How can I explain this? How do I answer uh, in an interview if the interviewer asks me if the interviewer asks me to show them something? Thank you. You're welcome. Preemptively. <laughs> Preemptive. You're welcome. So side uh, projects. You don't have any side projects. Yeah, or an interesting GitHub profile. What does an interesting GitHub profile mean? Does it mean it's... you have like a saucy, like your you, debonair picture? <laughs> You've got a hat with a feather in it. <laughs> that would be Some interesting. Kind of decorative vest <laughs> with all your different projects as uh, buttons. Pins oh yeah, <laughs> like merit badges. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more like the. Uh, the waiters and waitresses who work in restaurants with flair. Oh yeah, they have to have the flair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of lots of pieces of flair. Flair. Um, we went to a restaurant the other day, and it was definitely a flair restaurant. Yeah, the waitress came up and said, "Howdy, y'all!" in the most soulless, like dead voice. <laughs> oh, that's ever. so sad. I felt so bad for her, and I asked her if she had to say that, and she said, "No," <laughs> but she did because it was it was a very uh, Texas themed restaurant. No, I just like to say howdy. Y'all. I this is how I s- greet everyone <laughs> in, in Utah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the traditional Utah greeting of howdy y'all. Anyways, that's not what this question is no, about. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I asked what an interesting GitHub profile means. I guess that was kind of a leading question because I I assume when they say interesting GitHub profile, they mean like famous open source person profile where you have a bunch mm-hmm. of popular projects and a ton of commits mm-hmm. and you look at that little graph and it looks like green tile on a wall where like every day there's just lots of commits mm-hmm. and i would say that's like the 0.01% of github users yeah i i've interviewed a lot of developers and just looked at a lot of developers github profiles i've n- never maybe once i think once i've seen what i would say is like a classic interesting github profile with tons of open source stuff yeah but hundreds of of just dot files or like random boilerplate they forked or yeah like intro cs projects or bootcamp projects so that that's kind of the default i would say and so don't feel bad if that's what your github profile looks like because that's what everyone's looks like looks yeah exactly like. so if you're in an interview and the interviewer says show me your github profile say show me yours first <laughs> I'm going to look at Dave Smith's GitHub profile. Oh, I've got Flare. 37 repositories. Oh, you got you got stars. Oh, really? 85 stars on the Angular React directive example. Oh, man, that was from like three years ago. 
Only 74 contributions in the last year, though, Dave. I'm sorry. We're going to have to pass. I have... Con- oh, that includes our website. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is open source. Yeah. yeah, that's another point. These numbers are so stupid and arbitrary yeah, and you can't, bogus. You, yeah, you really can't rely on them for anything, any meaningful my, decision. Yeah, my blog is uh, public. Um, I have this this node module that I made in 2012. Mm-hmm. No, 2011, called Recursive Reader, and it has 118 stars because it was the first mm-hmm. like thing to recursively list files in directories, and I have not touched it in many months. But yeah, I guess I guess what I'm saying is these numbers are arbitrary, and I don't do they don't reflect what I actually do. So let's let's go away from GitHub because I'm pretty sure that most people don't have a super interesting GitHub profile, and even if they did, there's all these false signals there anyway. What Dave, about I have projects? 647 contribu- public contributions this year, which what? I believe means I'm worth roughly 10 times as much as you. You are the mythical 10x developer. <laughs> or maybe I'm the 1x and you're the 0.1x oh, developer. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, snap. That was a sick burn. Okay, so we know that... Uh, GitHub doesn't really tell the complete story. Mm-hmm. But what about side projects? What if an interviewer says, tell me about your side projects? And you're like, I don't have any side projects. I think side projects can be a positive signal, but the lack of side projects is not, to me, a negative signal. It is yeah. to some people um, because some companies and some interviewers really value passion. And when they mean pa- when they say passion, what they mean is someone who programs like literally every second they're yeah. awake. <laughs> they program yeah. all day for work, and then they go home and work really hard when they're not at work. And and side projects are one indication of that. And open source and speaking at conferences and I don't know, there's all this stuff that falls into passion. But yeah, again, that's not what makes someone a good developer or a good employee. It's just a signal people have latched onto. So. I think my point is there are some places that might uh, not want to hire you if you don't have this, but I think most places, most people that are programmers don't have side projects, so <laughs> yeah, it's not going to hurt true. you that much. Yeah, that's probably true. One of the things you can say if, if you don't have any side projects and they ask you is, uh, what I've said is, look, at different points in my life, I have had more interest in doing side projects and it usually depends on how engaging my main day job is and if i'm in kind of a boring situation at work or i'm not being challenged those are the times when i'm most likely to get side projects going Um, but if i'm in a really engaging fun exciting challenging uh, job then i very rarely do side projects and i've noticed this correlation over Hmm. my career and so if you've been in an exciting challenging fun job then you can say, look, I I just haven't really had time to do side projects because I've been so excited to work on my regular work. Yeah. And I, I actually think some employers will say, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's great. I put a lot of myself into my job, so that's where the energy goes. Also, or, I mean, some people have kids, and then that is your full-time side project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have kids, then you have like an hour a day for side projects. And that side project is like recover. <laughs> <laughs> Recovery time. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, people have all kinds of interests that aren't programming. And I think the variety of interests adds depth to the to the field of programming. 
Yeah. And I would say that your work experience is like a hundred times more important than your side projects, um, which is a little little similar to what Jameson was saying about how they're bonus points, but they don't hurt you if you don't have one. Um, but at the same time, I think it's much more important to steer the interview conversation to the projects you've done at work. What have you accomplished at work? Because that's a much more representative indicator of what you're going to do at this new job. So if you're in an interview and they're like, tell me about your side projects, I would try to steer the conversation back to work. Yeah, I really like that, actually. A side project that worked like work would be work. <laughs> and and to me, part of the benefit of a side project is the total lack of structure and the ability to do stupid things that like are not going to matter to customers or... Um, explore in ways that you, you don't have to deliver value in the same way you do mm-hmm. at, at work. Another, they, they mentioned they code a lot, but they just don't have what I assume is they do a lot of kind of learning in these side projects, but they don't produce these polished projects that you can kind of click through and show someone. Okay. Uh, there's not UI or anything like that. And in that case, then the output of the side project isn't like this product that you can demo and, show off to people it's your skills so you are still learning stuff you're you're just growing yourself instead of growing this other thing yeah good point like if they say show me something you can say well i don't really have any polished product to show but i've spent a ton of time learning and i can tell you about these projects that i've worked on yeah i I learning exercises yeah i learned how to build apis in golang or whatever you use some technology that taught you something Also, one kind of different spin on this is that when I've interviewed candidates and they have a ton of side projects going that are clearly a lot of work, I think to myself, I wonder how much of these side projects were actually paid for by their employer by accident. (laughs) (laughs) And it can become a negative thing if it's like, are you, if I'm going to hire you, are you just going to work for 20 hours and then spend the other 20 hours sitting at your desk working on your uh, Erlang interpreter? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, you want people to grow and develop themselves, but also you want them to get work done for your company. And I, yeah. I have seen people step too far over that line. Um, and, yep. and then they have a painful conversation where they get pulled back into like, no, you like you work here. This is your we, job. <laughs> we are paying you. This isn't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, it it's also caused issues on teams too. Like mm-hmm. if, if, if you're uh using work to fund your personal career development then the team knows that (laughs) yeah and they probably have some resentment about it too so so definitely it can be taken too far but a a healthy mix of side projects in my opinion is generally a benefit and something that i will weigh when i use uh when i interview a candidate but uh the absence of side projects does not like just like jameson said that does not hurt your chances if i were your interviewer yeah i'm trying to think through all the people that have that that have been hired like around me not even that I've directly hired and i don't know i feel it definitely it's definitely less than half that had serious side projects um and and of the people that we've interviewed like way fewer than half um almost nobody had side projects oh wow so i guess interesting it, it does seem like it helps but it's not yeah it's not it's not a not a blocker cool Question answered. Answered. We did it. We have done it. Dave, where can people go if they would like to hear more of this amazing wisdom? (laughs) 
first of all, <laughs> I have a small issue with your word choice. <laughs> uh, but, was it not? Was there not enough hyperbole? <laughs> yes, <laughs> only amazing. <laughs> what do you think this is? Not the best <laughs> podcast in the world. <laughs> so if you want oh, to wait. go check, oh. Oh, before that, I want to. So last week we did an episode in which I admitted uh, that I'd been lying on my resume, on my LinkedIn profile about my education experience. Immediately after that episode ended, I messaged Dave and was like, I'm going to do it. And I signed up for online to, to for these two online classes that I never did. I'm like halfway through one of them already. So, whoa, <laughs> theoretically, I could be done in uh, in like four weeks. But. Actually, that won't happen because the first That's class a, is yeah. <laughs> it's like a one credit class for an hour a week. And the second class is Calc 2. And that'll take me about nine months. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to make a Calc 2 baby in nine months. Yeah, I am. <laughs> but the podcast has inspired me. Not only has it helped our listeners, it's also helped me. It inspired Jameson to get that worthless piece of paper that he's been lying about having. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so that I can retroactively not be lying anymore. I, let's. I want to just put it out there. It was an accidental lie. You weren't. You weren't deliberately deceiving anyone. No, I'm not capable enough to deliberately deceive anyone. So. <laughs> so yeah, congratulations yeah. on starting your uh, college education again. Thank you. Soon I'll be able to tell you uh, about trigonometry identities. Oh, wonderful! I'm looking Can't forward wait. to that episode. All right. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jameson. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, go follow us on Twitter. The handle is at softskillseng. Many of you have done that. We really appreciate it. Also, go to softskills.audio. That is our website for the podcast. You can see all of the episodes there. You can subscribe there. It's an easy link to send to your friends to tell them to subscribe. And uh, you can also, uh, what else can you do there? Oh, yeah, you can leave comments on individual shows, which a lot of you have done. There are some cool conversations happening. Uh, that actually were really nice to get other people's perspectives on situations. Um, because as it turns out, Jameson and I don't actually know anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. And a lot of other people do. So that's really cool to see. So go check that out at softskills.audio. All right. I think that is it. We'll catch you next week. See ya.